Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I was reading this scripture that uh, is seldom that we preach about or use as a theme. We're normally speaking of other things from this pulpit, certainly I. But I remembered this particular passage uh, and I'm sure you have heard it, know it verbatim. And if you don't, uh, please mark it down. It's out of Ecclesiastics uh, 12 and 1. And it reads as follows. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before. That's a very important word right there, before. That means to me that the time that's going to be speaking about, it says before the days of trouble, that means that sometimes we can do things that can avoid those days. Sometimes we continually remind each other of how many troubles we go through in a day. But in this scripture... It seems to give us the antidote and how to withstand and sometimes how to repel those troubled days. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach you when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. These are the words of someone who can easily become or has become bitter with life. Now, let me just give you the premise of my thoughts, if you will, or the reason I believe God has reminded me of this passage. This passage reminds me, and I want to remind you, that the satisfaction of life, at least for me, and I believe it should be the same for you as a child of God, comes from tenacity comes from fluidity, comes from commitment, comes from continuance, comes from no surrender, comes from no turning back, comes from not coming up and down, comes from not fluctuating on fire and out of fire. It comes from walking that walk with God and walking again. We're reminded by the apostle when he said, after you have done all you can. After you've done. He didn't say after that, sit down and relax, take time off, run away, go on vacation, hide, stay away from church, stay away from God, relax, recover, and then come back. No, 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 no. After you've done everything to stand, he says, then therefore stand. Stand again. And so in this passage, it took me to this whole experience uh, this morning. I realized as I was laying in my bed just a few nights ago, how quickly pastoral day or days of celebrating your clergy appreciation has come so quickly. And I thank you again because it's a time when 
you so generously bless me and my family. As you bless my family, you bless me. They are who I live for. They are the ones I cry for. They are the ones that I speak about when I say continuance and fluidity and commitment because whether I like it or not, I am the forerunner of this family. And it reverberated in my spirit when brother said, so is the seed. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my family. And I celebrate today in the presence of the Lord that my family is saved, born again, and on their way to heaven. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, uh, you see, something else that was said this morning is that I have given half of my life uh, to this pulpit. 30, close to seven years of ministry and 28 with you alone. And clergy appreciation day is here today. And I'm in a wow state of mind. Because there is something else that this day reminds me of. It reminds me of how long I have been with you. It reminds me of how far back I began this walk with you. Close to 30 years now. In the next couple of years, I will be 30 years with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I may have been a novice 29 years ago. Oh, but I'm not a novice anymore. I may have been a greenhorn 29 years ago. But I'm not a greenhorn anymore. I know what I'm talking about. I know my business. Hallelujah. And I was contemplating on these things. And I said, in the next few years, Lord, I will be with this people for 30 years of preaching and sharing you with them. And everyone who walks through the thresholds of this Venue, this sanctuary, 30 years of testimonies and experience and so many things that we've gone through together. Some of you have been with me since the beginning, as Sister Linda mentions. We have Sister Eva, who has been with me since I, I had hair. I didn't have a white hair on my face, hon. Like, no, nothing. No, man. I had features. Now I have the marks in the trails of years. My back was straight now. I'm hunched back. But she was there. She met me then. And some other people. Hmm. We've gone through the loss of loved ones together. And we have. Celebrated the birth of others. We have seen illnesses together. We've gone through sickness together. And we have rejoiced over miracles of the mighty God that we serve. We have seen changes 
You see, we can say that after years, 30 years, we have seen changes in the world we live in. Environmental struggles, we have seen pandemics, uh, economic trials, governmental struggles, wars, times of peace together. And here we are, still pressing on to see what tomorrow holds. I remember this many years ago, Rock of Ages, so much different than today. Our venue was different, and even today's membership is different. We have met many along the way, and so many continue to walk even as they have left with God, yet we have seen many stray, and that's of great pain. Especially when I've had the time to establish a relationship to see someone walk away and no longer walk with God. This many years ago when I came to be with you, by calling I was appointed. This is a tour of duty for me. I had no choice. This is the world that God created for me that I might live my life. And I had a choice to be disappointed in what God had given me or choose to be happy. I chose to be happy. I made up my mind that I would do everything that I could to not fail at living my life for you and for God. I did everything to try to live a happy and fulfilled life at home, even though during this ministry I blinked my eyes and my children were no longer 13 years old. Now they're 40 years old. But I had a commitment to God. I went home. This many years later, and I have grandchildren. I went home this many years ago, and I have sons-in-law. I went home 30 years after I met you. And my face and who I am has changed. I chose to be happy. Success. I don't know what success is. Some people say I'm successful. I don't know what it is. For some people behind a pulpit, success means having a thousand people in the church. Or having a venue twice or three times as big as the one we have. For some ministers behind the pulpit, having their, front, their page on the front page of a Christian magazine is success for them. For many ministers, being successful is being talked about as a celebrity religious man, well known in his community or city. I don't know much about success like that. I've never given it much thought. Having the greatest population of people in our building or in our church or being the most popular minister, I've never cared for those things. 
this one thing I did know deep in my heart. That the measure of my success after these many years of serving you was not going to be how much material gain I could achieve or how high on the corporate ladder of popularity I could have a name for myself in the city offices. My only prayer that I've ever had ever since I stepped behind a pulpit by call and appointment of God. I said, Lord, I will stand behind this pulpit. If only you will help me that after these many years, I'm still living for you. See, Standing behind a pulpit doesn't guarantee you heaven. Standing behind a pulpit and being a good orator doesn't guarantee you to walk through the gates of heaven. Standing behind a pulpit and wanting to be liked and loved and voted for will not get you any brownie points with the Father in heaven. That's not how you measure success in ministry. Success in ministry is gauged after you walk the walk and you find out that at the end of your life as mine is now approaching, that you're still walking for him who delivered you from the very pit of hell and you're on your way to heaven. Hallelujah. If you don't know success, I don't know success. I don't know success that way. If you ask anybody else beyond me, you'll probably find someone who'll say, I'm the one that's voted least likely to succeed. For I'm not the best orator that you've ever heard. You've heard so many better. I'm not the most intellectual mind that has known the answers to life's questions for you. I'm not hailed as the most popular member of our society. And I don't have material possessions to impress anybody. But one thing I am sure of. One thing. Just it. And this is to me, to me is enough. Is that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. I'm saved. I'm glad that I can say some glad morning when my life is over, I will fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I will fly away. Ha. Success, hmm. having things isn't the way to measure your success. Being admirable and hailed by society is not a measure of your success. Being intellectual and the keeper of wisdom is not the highest mark that identifies success. The Lord said, if you want success, this is what success is. He says, let the wise man not boast in his wisdom. Or the strong man boast in his strength. 
Or the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this one thing. That he understands and he knows me. And I am glad to bring you witness today that I know him. That after this many years of ministry, I know him. And the question of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, as you see me approaching 30 years with you, I ask some of you here on social media who have not been making it back to church and those of you who are here that by godly divine order you are here to be reminded to think about the time when you were continuing, when you were committed, when you were walking without interruption, when there was nothing in society, no pandemic could change your commitment to walk with God on a daily basis. Oh, pre-COVID, there was nothing more important for you and for you on television than coming to church on Sunday and Wednesdays. But ever since the devil gave you a good excuse. And the foxes that Solomon spoke about began to gnaw at the heels of your walk with God. And this is some of us here. We're not walking with God anymore. I need to sit down. We're not going this Sunday. No, no, no. But we used to go on Wednesdays and Sundays and worship. No, I, no not today. I got a good excuse. If they ask me, uh, you see, I'm uh, afraid uh, that um, I'll be amongst infectious people. Some people have justified coming to church saying, well, I have front row seats at my house. Really? Really? And how many times do you doze off sitting on that couch? I read you a scripture. Remember the Lord, your creator, in the days of your youth. That means the days that you are conscious, that you're able to move. That's what youth represents, that you're able to stand. One of these days, ladies and gentlemen, I will be old enough, if God permits me, that I may not be able to come to church because I'll be bedridden or I'll be sitting in some chair somewhere unable to move. But until those days, <laughs> until those days, I rise up in the morning early. And I go and chase after God because I am commanded to seek the Lord while he may be found. That's why we're here this morning. You see, my walk has not changed. This many years with you, my walk has not changed. You've seen me here. Oh, you've seen me wounded. You've seen me wounded. But you see me get out of the hospital yesterday, and I'm standing here holding on to this pulpit, preaching the gospel because this is the only place I can truly call home. I have a commitment to God. I told him, I said, if my soul you will collect, 
I'm taking my pulpit with me. I'm taking my pulpit with me because you gave me that pulpit. Ladies and gentlemen, I said I wanted to encourage you. If you can find any encouragement in me today because we're sitting here celebrating close to 30 years of service. And you've seen me not falter or fail. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Coming to church one time a month when you used to be faithful. What's your excuse on social media? I know you could turn me off, just flick it off and it's over. That's okay. But I'd rather tell you right now than one day the Lord tell you I never knew you. You see, I'm already on my way out. I don't need nobody to vote me in. I don't care anymore. I'm not afraid of you like Lionel says. I'm not afraid of any one of you. Vote me out. Tell me to leave. I don't care. I'm ready to go. But you can begin a good walk as I did this many years ago. And this long after, your walk is crippled and weak. Not mine. And yours doesn't have to be either. What are you chasing after today? After this many years of being together and us spending time together, I've seen the church fluctuate. Some of you are taking more vacations every weekend because you think that church is not important. When did going on vacation be more important than coming to worship on Sunday morning? When did God permit you to spend your time on, at the flea market at 9 o'clock in the morning trying to find some old rag for a dollar? <laughs> and coming to church on Sunday morning. When did God permit and say it was okay for you to stay home and wait for your friends to barbecue at 9 o'clock in the morning when you should be here barbecuing your flesh in the presence of the Lord? Since when? Look at yourself in the mirror. This coming Wednesday, look at yourself in the mirror and remember me. I pray the Lord sear my face in your eyes when you look in the mirror and I'm going to go like, Really? On Sunday morning, wake up in the morning when you're thinking of making all these kinds of plans. Oh, should we go to the zoo? Oh, let's go to San Antonio. Oh, let's do this and the other. See my face in the mirror going like, really, man? I've been here this long, ladies and gentlemen. And I was hoping to at least teach you one thing. To learn to stay the course. Some of you have done wonderful and blessed on you. But some of you are faltering. I see some of you seasonally now. You come in Christmas and Thanksgiving. When you used to be. And I remember you being here faithful. You are serving faithfully. You are giving faithfully. You are loving people faithfully. But all of a sudden, I don't know what kind of disease the devil came to infect. The you see, this whole COVID thing, you think it was about the flu and about all these other things. It was about the church. You're the reason for COVID. There you go. You're guilty. 
The Lord in his heart must have said, you know what, let me see how easy it is to deter everyone who really isn't committed. Give him that little bug. I've been here for this long. I'm done. I just blew my whole day. I know that. I don't know what you're seeking by not coming to church or not being faithful in your walk with God. Some of you have been serving the Lord for 20, 30, 40 years, just as long as I have. But you're faltering. I understand work. I understand responsibility. Please don't be insulted by that. I'm talking about the, the person that won't wake up or makes excuses easily just because you can afford to stay out of church. One day, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to catch up. Your children will not want to come to church because you never taught them to. They can't learn to come to church once a month. They can't learn to pray. You, I can't, don't expect me to believe you. You're praying daily when you won't even come to worship. This is when parents and mothers and fathers cry because their children say, I don't want nothing to do with God. And you try to correct them and they say, why should I? You never went. I've ministered to so many families in my office over the years. Pastor, help me with my son. Help me with this. And sister, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Well, he doesn't want to come to church. Well, you wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. The Bible doesn't say send them. The Bible doesn't say send them to get trained by somebody else. You train your children. And right now, we're carefree because, oh, they're little, whatever. But let me tell you, let me, let me, let me just say this. I'm here already. What time is it? 12? Yeah. You, it's too late to get in line at Louis. so. <laughs> you know, to me, to me, to me, a good gauge to find out if the family is being trained to love on Jesus and be faithful is if on Wednesdays and Sundays they wake up and say, Daddy, are we going to church? If your children have to, you know, my children, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> That's what my pastor used to say. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. He said, I'm not done. Oh, better relax. <laughs> nah, nah. Come up here, man. Uh, don't be rushing me. In my house, before I was saved, my wife would take her, my children to church. They never asked me if we were going to church because they knew I didn't go to church. But when I got saved, and we started going to church on Wednesdays and Sunday. My children to this day have never asked me if on Wednesday or Sunday we're going to church. They just got up and got dressed. Let me ask you this, Dad. Do your parents ask you, are we going today? Because they don't know what you're going to do on Sunday or Wednesday. Shame on you. You're robbing your children of a committed relationship with God. 
I can say that. I'm your pastor. You celebrated me. Did you give an offering? <laughs> if you didn't, I don't care how you feel. <laughs> you see, if I don't love you that way, who is? You'll be glad when I retire. You'll be glad. But one day, you'll ask for me. You're going to say, where is that ugly old man? To tell me that I should have trained my children. Where is that ugly Pastor Soto? Who didn't care about stepping on my toes. But he made me uncomfortable every service. Because he knew I wasn't praying. He knew I wasn't going to go. He just ruined my San Antonio trip for next Sunday. I have to be here. But you know what? I want to see you in heaven. Because I'm going to heaven. I'm 63 years old. Now, you know, I was 33 when we first met. I was a young man. I was hot. Right, honey? You don't have to agree. But I was the hottest thing in my house. But now I'm old and gray. Kind of lukewarmish now. Not, not much to look at. But I still... Who's the man? She knows. She knows the goodness of God. But if I don't tell you and I don't love you the way I do, who is, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm talking to the adults here today. I'm not even getting on the young people. That's another sermon. Mom and dad, get it in gear. Come back to church, man. You know what you're missing on Wednesdays? We get a good word from Pastor Duke on Wednesdays. Some of you are breathing Jesus one time a week, man. No wonder you look shade of gray. We need to come back to church. You see, all I'm telling you because, you see, you just witnessed. Somebody said that I've been here such a long time and I've never faltered in spite of it having a liver transplant. Can I not at least teach you to be faithful? Can I at least not teach you to say, you know what, I don't want my kids asking me we're coming to church on Wednesday. They better know we're going to church on Wednesday. You won't be here forever. One of these days, the only thing they're going to be able to rely on is what you taught them in their life. When I go, my children will worship the Lord. And I'm not worried one bit. Not for one of them. They will worship the Lord because they've been in training for the past 35 years of their lives. And I've not faltered in my training for them. Get up and do it. Life's too short. Play hard. Get it right.
think people won't stray? Can I tell you this last story? This is a testimony of a real man. Some of you have heard of Ernest Hemingway. And I'm done. We know him to be a literary genius, great writer and poet. He was recorded to say these words. And I'm talking about when we fail to train, when we fail to teach, when we fail to be continuing and have commitment unto God on a daily basis. He said this. He says, I live in a vacuum that is as lonely as a radio tube. When the batteries are dead, there is no current to plug in. Now, people who read this word in his diary found it startling that a man such as Hemingway would write these words about himself given the fact that this man had a phenomenal testimony. He lived a life that would be envious of anyone who wanted things and possessions in life. He was known to be a tough guy. He was a globetrotter. He traveled both common and the most exotic places in this world. He was a big game hunter, a bullfighter, a man who could drink people and other men under the table. He was respected, married four times and lived his life seemingly unrestrained by moral guilt. And many in the world who know about him would say, wow, man, what a lucky guy. All the money in the world traveled all over the place. Man, what a phenomenal testimony. How I wish I could obtain these things. That is success. But did you know that one sunny Sunday morning, instead of going to church, he pulverized his head with a shotgun. Now you might think, well, that's because nobody told him about Jesus talking about our children I'm talking about our Christian homes you may think no wonder this man lived a worldly life he he wasn't born in the Christian realm but did you know this is often not included in the stories of him but his grandparents were missionaries he grew up in a great evangelical Christian home in Illinois his father was devoted, a devoted churchman, and was a good friend of the great evangelist D.L. Moody. Hemingway's family conformed to the strictest rules of Christianity, and as a boy and a young man, he was active in church, Hemingway was. His youthful enthusiasm for Christianity soared, but he began to look for success somewhere else. And his success and gauge for success was not in God. And ultimately he rejected the faith in Christ he had once embraced. And he found that what he chased after instead of God left him bankrupt of all desire to live. Ladies and gentlemen, just because you're here today doesn't guarantee you heaven. Just because you think that God is a God of grace and mercy and patience, He won't be patient forever. The scripture says that He will not contend with the spirit of man for always. And so I'm telling you right now, remember the Lord in the days of your youth. So that when the ugly days come, 
when the days of trouble come, you won't say, I find no joy in them. I have chosen to be happy. And as sick as I've been and hurt in my body and so many troubles as mentioned this morning that we've been through, it hasn't been an easy uphill hill climb. But I'm happy because I know that at the end of this journey called life for me, I've taken the opportunity every day to seek Him, to love Him, and to live for Him. You are my motivation this morning and every morning. I'm here to preach to you because I love you and because I want heaven for all of us. Make no mistake, success for me is not having all these pews filled with people shoulder to shoulder, though that's desirous and we wish that would happen, but only with people that want God. My true desire is to be happy as I serve him and to see you happy serving him for your 30 years. Serve him. Stand to your feet if you will. I want to pray with you this morning. I've got just one more thing to do in 30 seconds if you'll allow me. But I want to pray with you. And I want to encourage you as we celebrate Clergy Appreciation Day. Marking 28 years for this guy. I'm not bragging about him. I'm not. I feel every mile. Trust me. I feel every step. Trust me. But if you can learn anything from me, know that I'm still here. And I've relented not. My question of the hour for you is, are you still here when you're supposed to be? Or are you giving up your commitment, your tenacity, your fluidity for other things? Don't let these things discourage you. Don't let the devil gnaw at the ankles of your walk any longer. Kick those things off of you. Break those chains off of you. And let's come to church. Let's serve the Lord. We need so many people to help us. We need you to give in these trying times. We are very thin because now the economy is bad. And so the first one that is out of your economy commitment is Jesus and you leave us stranded. Some of you haven't been able to embrace tithing for whatever reason and you've chosen poverty over a dime. We need you. But more than that, you need to. So that God can bless you. Be encouraged today. Ecclesiastes 12.1 let this be a verse for you this morning and for every morning. Seek the Lord in the days of your youth. Because the days of trouble will come. Troubling days will come. They've come for me. And you won't have to say, I find no joy in them. 
I'm happy to serve you this many years. And I will be here as long as the Lord has me. But I'm going to keep reminding you why I am in the tent of this body. The Bible says that those who remain till the end, they will be saved. I'm still here. I pray you will be here as well. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org.